Come on, how cool is that? The whole time I was praying for God to send us somebody that had a heart for outreach. I have a heart for outreach. I just don't have the organizational administrative skills to, to execute that outreach. So I'm thankful that God sent Jason and Christina Brown again. Connect with us this afternoon. Come out and help us pick up trash and clean up. We're not going to throw any tracks or gospel in anybody's face today. We're just going to serve and earn the right to develop relationship with people and minister to them as God shows us a need. Amen? Come join us this afternoon. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As you're turning there, I really wanted Pastor Weston to just be uh, promoted today and the, the uh, outreach that they're doing. I say outreach is really a Speed to Light fundraiser, a missions fundraiser that they're out there working with their student leaders. And they could use some help on Monday and Tuesday. They've got some hours to fill out there. And as you kind of heard, they've already been serving and working. And a lot of them have spent a lot of hours. If you could help relieve any of those Please consider that prayerfully, and if you don't hear from God, then just know you're supposed to go do it. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about holy prayer. We're in a series called The Prayer Effect, and our challenge in this series is for you to develop a prayer life that you do not currently have. So if you have one, our challenge is for you to develop it and make it even better, more consistent, um, uh, more often, more impactful. If you don't have a prayer life, our challenge would be for you to evaluate that and begin to develop one. We are calling and defining prayer very simply in this series as just having conversations with God. I understand that there's a time and that you're supposed to go in and be alone and you're supposed to fervently seek the Lord and cry unto Him. But we believe that the best prayers are on a daily basis. The best prayers are not just in the closet alone when nobody else is around. They're in the vehicle on the way to work. <laughs> They're at lunch with everybody else around. They're right before you go to bed with your family Praying the word of God over them. Having conversations with him. This morning I really believe, I realized in, in preparing earlier, in reviewing this message that I had written earlier this week, um, I know that I should have realized this, and so it, it's kind of a surprise, but I, re, I, I believe that today's message is a little bit more prophetic than pastoral. And by that I mean, I believe that, this, that today's message is, is, a, is a prophetic warning um, for not only this week, but, but maybe even this year and for your family. And if you will heed the warning today and you will let the Holy Spirit draw you, convict you, and lead you to adjust and change, then I believe that you will avoid some consequences that you may otherwise have to endure. I know today's message is going to be a little bit heavier than normal. Today's message is not what we're going to take our staff to Birmingham, Alabama to a GROW conference this year. They are not going to teach that we would preach this message every Sunday. But I believe that it is pivotal in such a time as this. It was not until this morning, reviewing this message that I was writing on Thursday, that I realized that this was even Mardi Gras week. I knew I had to go to New Orleans to present a paper and a thesis that I've been developing for four years, and that's all I was thinking about. And as I was writing this message, I was like, God, I'm talking about prayer. I don't understand why I'm being led to talk about sin and holiness. I don't get it. Why are you leading me down this road? But how many of you have learned, even when you don't understand, you just need to keep going when God 
God's leading you that direction. So I was like, okay, this sounds more painful than I really wanted prayer to be, but I'm going to keep going anyways. Prayer is how we have a relationship with God. And sin separates us from that relationship. So if we want to replace sin in our life, the thing that we can replace it with is a powerful, a developed prayer life. The potential of, God, of, of a child of God is found in prayer. The potential of the child of God is found in prayer. You can't receive salvation without prayer. You can't become a child of God without prayer. You can't receive the Holy Spirit without prayer. You can't pray in a language that only comes from Him without prayer. You can't grow as a child of God without prayer. And you will never discover His will for your life. And the intricacies and the details of everything that's already fashioned and formed for you to walk in. You will find that in prayer. Not praying is saying, God, I've got this. I'll let you know if I need anything. God, I can handle this. If anything gets out of my control, I'll give you a shout. This series scripture is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Verse 17 is the emphasis of the prayer effect, okay? Never stop praying. Now, that's three words. It's the second longest scripture. No, it's the second shortest scripture in the Bible. The first is Jesus wept. This one is never stop praying. Do you know that Jesus wept because people stopped praying? It wasn't because he didn't know that he could raise his friend from the dead when he began to pray over Lazarus. It was because the people around him had lost faith and they exhibited their loss of faith by their lack of prayer. And so Jesus wept. The Son of God wept because they stopped believing, they stopped praying. Instead, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Why is this God's will? Because according to our passage last week in Luke chapter 18, we see that prayer is an indicator of our faith. The entire passage was about prayer. And at the end of the passage, uh, Dr. Luke asked the question that came from Jesus' mouth. When I return, how many will I find that are in the faith? Well, if he uses that faith as what he's looking for, and he's talking about prayer as the indicator of that faith, then how many of you understand that if faith is the gauge, okay, that we're measuring, then prayer is the pen that shows us where we are. And if you're not praying, it could be because you need to evaluate where your faith is. And if you need your faith to increase, then it could be that you really just need to develop a more consistent prayer life. Very similar to the way that we can judge an individual's belief based on how they behave. And that's not judgmental, okay? That's biblical. That you can look at the fruit of an individual's life and you can see where they stand in Christ. Because behavior is a reflection of belief. You will behave according to what you really believe. And so if your behavior doesn't reflect what you want to believe, then evaluate your behavior. If your faith doesn't reflect where you want it to be, then evaluate your prayer. Increase your prayer life. Increase your faith. When we pray, God answers. When we pray, God answers. And last week, we really dove into this, okay? Because some of you are going, no, he doesn't. I've prayed and God didn't answer. Yes, he did. Yes, he does. The Lord has never told anyone no. He has said yes and answered it. 
He has said, not yet. Or he has said, I've got something better. I'm not going to do this because I have something better. you got to hold on. you got to hang in and you got to trust me. Because I see from a perspective that you're not currently standing in. I said this last week and and this is really where we're going to settle today. This is the heaviness of this message. But when we are in sin, when we are willfully in sin, and we tolerate less than God's best for our lives, willfully remaining in sin, there's only one prayer that He hears. And it's the prayer of repentance. When I say willfully, I mean as the Old Testament portrays in the book of Leviticus. You can read through the law of Leviticus and you can see that the Lord will write to Moses and say, if they sin unintentionally, and then he will give them an explanation of what should be done when that unintentional sin is committed. But when someone intentionally, voluntarily, willfully remains in that sin, God did not give them a way out of that sin in the Old Testament. The fire was not a fire of purifying. The fire was a fire of punishment. So if you are willfully abiding and remaining in sin, I'm not talking about trying to work this thing out with Jesus and stumbling back into some old habits and confessing it again and repenting and letting God heal you and letting God sanctify you. We understand that to be the process. Okay, What I'm talking about is when you begin to justify sin outside of anything but the blood of Jesus as if God is okay with sin today when He's never been okay with sin. I'm talking about explaining away your behavior and continuing in it instead of confessing your behavior. I'm talking about covering up something that you've done instead of confessing it and bringing it before God. Just like Adam and Eve did not do in the book of Genesis. They tried to cover it. And because they tried to cover it, they knew their evil and they knew their good. And instead of abiding in life, they decided to try to cover up the evil that they had done. I understand that this is heavy today, but I don't want you to feel the heaviness alone. What I want you to do is I want you to hear the answer. The answer is holiness. The answer is the pursuit of holiness and the pursuit of Christ. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart. Now we understand that this was David. And that David was a man after God's own heart. David was the king of Israel. David had slain ten thousands. And he had slew uh, Goliath. And he had shown off. And God had shown off through him. And he was being raised and positioned and promoted, etc., etc., etc. But then David sinned. In the midst of his prosperity, David sinned. I know a a pastor personally, and I, I won't mention his name, And I've seen him be restored and redeemed and and back in ministry and doing well. But this pastor, he did not have good accountability. He didn't have good boundaries. Okay, And he he entered into a, a sinful relationship. And in that relationship, he was convicted. And in that relationship, he was carrying the weight of his sin. And he, he came to this place where he realized that it was about to become more. How many of you understand that sin will always take you further than you wanted to go? Keep you longer than you wanted to stay? And cost you more than you ever wanted to pay? Now, I didn't come up with that, but I heard it too many times not to share it with you. It will always take you further, keep you longer, and cost you more. 
And he began to identify that this was happening to him. And with tears in his eyes and tears in the, the eyes of the young woman that he had fallen into an inappropriate relationship with, he looked and he said, listen, I, I can't do this. I can't take this any further because I can't have you and the blessing of God. What he's saying is, I can't have my will and God's will at the same time. I have to choose. And even though it's going to cost me my ministry, possibly my family, I need to confess it because I understand this scripture. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, then the Lord would not have listened to me. And he who hides sin in his heart shall not prosper. I don't want you to hear the heaviness I want you to hear the pursuit of holiness. I don't want you to just see the problem today. And I don't want you to just carry the guilt and the shame of what you've messed up on in the past. I want you to hear the answer today. I don't want you to walk out of here with a heavier burden than what you walked in with. I want you to cast that thing off of you because He cares for you and walk out of here free today because Jesus was the answer that was provided in the sanctuary. You don't have to continue in that thing any longer. You can confess it. You can repent of it. And when you do, God gives you an answer. This is important. Young and elder alike. The habits that you form today, the habits that I form today, become the patterns of my behavior tomorrow. Let me say that again. The choices, the decisions, the things that I abide in, the habits that I form today become the patterns of my behavior tomorrow. They don't go away because you get older. They get stronger. You determine your habits, but your habits determine your future. Listen, I'm going to back up and just speak to a little bit of the, the younger crowd today. Listen, I want you to hear this. No matter where you are in your relationship with Christ or your relationship with one another, I've seen this. It's been evident to me in my life. Listen, if he'll sneak off with you today, he'll sneak off on you later. Do you hear me? Because outside of marriage is outside of marriage, and you can't justify it in anything but the blood of Jesus. If he'll cheat on Jesus with you, come on somebody, then he'll cheat on you with somebody else. And it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 55. The principle is the principle and the heart behind the habit is just as important as the habit itself. Let me talk to the church a little bit. Hang on. Guys, if you don't learn how to look with integrity today, you're not just going to begin to look with integrity because God gives you the woman that he had prepared for you. Hang on, girls. If you don't learn how to stop dressing for attention today, be it inappropriate or not, if you don't learn how to lean on Jesus and stop leaning on him, come on, somebody. It's not going to go away because you enter into covenant. You're going to take your bad habit into covenant and it's just going to cost you more. Now, before the church says amen, because we feel real holy in all of our good behavior. Church, we need to stop standing on the sidewalk and complaining when we should be in the street contributing. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. This past week, I went with a, a group of about 700 people to the street of Bourbon. You know what I'm saying. I don't know. It's flowing underneath the street and on top of the street. 
And we went down there and we had about 700 uh, young people and, and a group of visionary leaders and pastors. We took about seven buses down to Bourbon Street. We had them outnumbered, y'all. <laughs> it, was, it was good stuff. We got down there at about 5 o'clock. We stayed till about 8 o'clock because we're, uh, we're not sinful or stupid. We got out of there at a decent time. Um, and we don't want to expose a bunch of 19-year-olds to things that they don't need to see and have been trying to cover in their eyes and keep from seeing. So we went down there. We got there at about about 4 5 o'clock, and, uh, and all, the, all the visionary leaders, all the pastors, we all went and ate, and the students got in groups, and they were on the street, and they were witnessing, and, and I didn't have a problem with dinner. Dinner was good, but the whole time I was sitting there um, eating my braised oysters, ah, yes, yeah, so I was in that restaurant, and then, a, and then the pastor paid for my meal. I was like, man, I don't know who you are, but I love you. Will you be my father forever? And so uh, I was in there. We we ate, listen, anytime you want, you want me to know that you love me, just feed me. That's just, just it's that simple. So I'm, we're in there, and I'm thinking, man, these kids, these students, when I say kids, I mean, they're like 15 years younger than me, but they're out there, I mean, literally, like, feel like they're going into hell with a water pistol, and they're about to win. You know what I'm saying? They're out on the street, man. They're sharing the gospel. They're walking up to people that are twice their age or are walking up to people that can hardly hold themselves up, and they're, they're getting in the way of the good time. You know, they are absolute joy killers, man. They, they're out there just messing people up, praying with people, trying to share the gospel, and I'm like, oh, Man, these would be really good if that wasn't all happening now. I'm going to have to come back here when all that ignorance stuff isn't going on so I can really enjoy these oysters. But here's what hurt my heart. Is when I walked outside and I saw all these young people out in the streets and the visionary leaders and the pastors stood on the sidewalk and watched. And I see that as an image of the church. They're waiting for somebody else to do the work that they're perfectly capable of getting done themselves. Possibly even more capable. Oh, we can come to service, but can we serve? Oh, we can come to church, but can we be the church? And it, it was discouraging for me. You know what wasn't discouraging for me? That a bunch of people that didn't believe in Jesus acted like they didn't believe in Jesus. Hello, y'all. That's what we're supposed to do when we don't know Him. But when we do know Him, we're supposed to understand that we're not supposed to be more overwhelmed than we are influential. In fact, the environment is around, that's around us should be set and determined by us instead of how we act or feel being set or determined by the environment. And the pastors and the visionary leaders are standing on the sidewalk like they're awestruck in wonder. Like, they can't believe people are doing this. They forgot. We've become so institutionalized in the safety of the sanctuary that we forget that the Holy Spirit is within the temple of our heart. And it's not the sanctuary that we were created for, but the street that we were meant to make an impact on. And I just said, no, not me. Not today. I just ain't raised like this. I just got too much oomph inside of me. And there's a little too much Ray Fry inside of this brother for me to just stand on the street and watch somebody else do the work that that I know I'm anointed to do. So I just began to pray. I was like, God, show me an opportunity. And I walked up to the first 20-year-old, and I tried to talk to him. He's like, dude, I got things to do. Leave me alone. And he buzzed. I was like, you little. <laughs> but I did not help. I was like, okay, bro, go ahead, man. You can go to hell if you want to. It doesn't matter to me. I just care about you. Go ahead on. And then I started, and I was like, okay, I'm not just going to walk up to any more strangers. I'm going to pray. Because that's what this series is about. So I began to pray. I began to pray in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, God dropped this word, grandmother, in my head. I was like, grandma. I'm supposed to be looking for a grandma. All right, I don't see a whole lot of old ladies out here, but I'm going to look around because I'm so, wait. No, and I realized that 
The Lord said, somebody's grandmother's been praying for them. So I was like, okay, whose grandma is it? Who's, 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 who's? And I'm looking around, I'm looking around. And all of a sudden, I see this dude come down, walking down the road. And he is in a see-through net shirt. Look, dudes, listen to me. See-through net shirts were not meant for wearing, Okay. See-through nets were meant for catching other things, not holding you in place, all right? Don't be wearing that out in public. But here comes brother. He's got more beads on than he does clothes, okay? He's coming down the street, and, I was, and the Lord said, that's him. I said, no, it ain't. He comes walking down the street. He's got a group of people with him. He's got some girls that are around him, and they're all doing it. I was like, oh, here we go. And I walked up to him, and I said, hey, man, I'm sorry. i got to stop you. My name's Chris. I, 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 I'm sorry. I know like I'm a buzzkill right now. But I've been standing on that sidewalk praying for the last five minutes. You know, sometimes what we mess up is that we think we just got to go get something done before we prepare to do it. But God's more, more concerned about our being than he is our doing. And if we'll stop and listen to God, then we won't have to make the mistakes and learn the hard way. And I stood out and I said, man, look, I've been praying on that sidewalk for the last five minutes. Is there something happening with your grandmother? The Lord said somebody was going to come by and I was supposed to ask him about your grandmother. And I just felt like it was you that I was supposed to come to. And he said, she died last week. And I said, man, she was a believer, wasn't she? Like she believed in Jesus. She went to church. She loved you and loved other people. And he said, yeah. I said, man, your grandmother has been praying for you. Your grandmother has been praying that you would stop playing and come to Jesus. That you would remember what she taught you and what she believed in. And if you loved her, that you would learn how to love him the way that she does. I said, man, can I pray for you? And those girls came back up. They were like, come on, come on. And he pulled his hand away from them. And he stood there and he let me pray over him. He didn't confess Christ in that moment. He didn't like go put normal clothes on. He didn't do any of that stuff. (laughs) But he got messed up in that moment. And God planted a seed inside of him. And God watered a seed that had already been planted inside of him. Because only Jesus can help us be faithful. But we have to get off the sidewalk. Only Jesus can help us be faithful. But we got to get in the street. We need to be in it and not of it. We can't just stand back and complain about everything that the world's been doing when if we would start doing something about it and contribute, then the world would become more like the Jesus that we claim we believe in. Does that make sense for you? Only Jesus can teach us true love. And just to return to the former thought, purity is the path to that true love. And if you don't have purity, then you don't have love, you have lust. But purity and faithfulness and love, all of those things are only provided for and protected by Christ. I'll give you one more example, and it happens to be a Bourbon Street example. I didn't even realize it when I wrote it the other day. There was this young lady, and she had been out in New Orleans, and a pastor, I heard this from his mouth, is his testimony. He, He got on a plane, and he sat down in coach, not first class, uh, all great pastors flying coach. And so he sat down and was surrounded by everything else that everybody was surrounded by. And trust me, this brother could have afforded a first class ticket. But he sat back in coach. And he sat and he was waiting and he was just going to rest, you know, because he had been at a conference. It was a long weekend, da, 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 da. And all of a sudden he looks up 
And this girl gets on the plane. You could tell she had been out on Bourbon Street all night long. And she had had all kinds of things put in her body and none of it was healthy for her. You understand what I'm saying? Again, just another example. She had on more beads than she did clothes, but here she comes down the aisle and he thought, dear Lord Jesus, don't let this open seat be for her. (laughs) And sure enough, here she comes. She's looking. She gets down to his seat and she plops down right beside him. And he's like, so she looks over and does Um, What everybody does to a pastor, at least within the first 30 seconds, it's like God's conversation starter. Within the first 30 seconds or so, you have to decide whether you should lie, stay silent, or tell them what you do for a living. Because they're going to ask, so, what brings you to New Orleans? So, what do you do for a living? He's like, I'm in marketing and sales. I'm just going back home to see my family. Which is semi-true. We just market the gospel and we don't make a lot off of it. But... He sits and he, he goes, no, today I'm supposed to tell her the truth. He says, well, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a pastor. And she says, oh, I don't like those people. I don't like those Christians. And he says, me either, girl. I can't stand them. She looks at him. He says, I know the kind of people that you're talking about. The kind of people that point more of a finger at themselves than they are convicted by their own faith. I know the kind of people that you're talking about. And I can promise you, I'm not trying to build a church full of people that act like that. And she said, well, what kind of church are you trying to build? And he begins to explain it to her. And then she takes out her little bottle of, I don't know, bourbon. It was on Bourbon Street. Let's go with it. She takes it out, and she waves it at him. She says, well, what does your Jesus think about this? And he says, I don't think Jesus cares about that. I think Jesus cares about you. And if he can get you, he can handle that. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I don't think Jesus cares about that. I think he cares about you. I don't know what you've been doing, what you've been carrying, or where you've been, but I'm telling you that Jesus gave his life, and he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he was talking about everything that you've ever done. He was talking about everything that you will ever do. And his desire is not to just take that junk away from you. It's to have you wrapped in his arms so that he can heal you out of it. That's what God came for. And if you will give him your life, then he can handle everything that comes along with it. You know what? When my kids have their iPad, they don't need me. When they're content and everything's going well, they won't pay me attention. Adeline, stop. Adeline, give me a hug. Stop. Leave me alone. I'm content. Everything's okay. But let me tell you, when that baby comes home because somebody messed with her that day at school, it takes everything I can not to get in my truck and go beat a kid by somebody else. You know what I'm saying? But, but Adeline comes home and she's had a rough day. Or let's say even worse, it was something that she did that she got in trouble for. And she comes back in the house and she's not excited to see daddy. She's not excited to tell daddy about her day. And she walks through the door and she knows that she shouldn't have spent so much time on that iPad last night. What she should have been doing was preparing for the test that she didn't tell us that we had, that she had. And then she didn't do as good on the test and she's not excited about coming and telling daddy about the test when does she need me the most does she need me to act like a fool scream at her and beat her with everything that I have in the house when she's already hurting no she needs me to love her back to the place that she knows she already needed to be and I'm telling you that Jesus is a perfect father he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother and when you're hurting and you need healing even if it's because of the mess that you've done that is when he wants you the absolute most when you are all wrapped up ugly and you don't feel 
good about yourself. He don't need your confidence. He doesn't need your arrogance. He needs your heart. And he needs your heart to know in humility that it is only by his grace. It's only by the, pro- the sacrifice that he made that you can have the life that he purchased for you. And if I get that as an earthly father, then how much more does he understand it as a heavenly father? You don't clean up and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he cleans you up. Galatians chapter 5 shows us a list of sins in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Well, I'm not doing that. Impurity. Well, I used to, but I'm not anymore. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Never done that. Sorcery or witchcraft. I'm out. Hostility, quarreling, or jealousy. Got you. It's in the same sentence as idolatry and witchcraft. Quarreling, jealousy, outburst of rage or anger. Selfish ambition. Remember, before we start pointing the finger, we need to be convicted by our own faith. Let's stop complaining whether we're contributing or not. Get off the sidewalk. Get in the street. And instead of looking down your arm at everybody else and everything else that's going on in this world... Be like the prophet Isaiah and turn the finger and say, woe is me, for I'm unclean. It's not just about coming to Jesus and coming to Jesus and coming to Jesus. It's about the fact that you already came. Now get out and do something about it. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. Come on, if he can't make you doubt... And if he can't make you deny, then he'll just cause you to divide. He'll just make you divisive. If he can't hurt the church, he'll split the church. Come on, somebody. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen. I don't care what doctrine theology tells you that it will. If you're willfully abiding in any of those things, you're tolerating less than God's best, and the only prayer that he's going to hear is the prayer of confession and repentance. But, come on, I'm not just going to give you a problem. I'm going to give you the solution. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because against these things, there is no law. And I love this, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And how many of you know that he only hung on the cross one time and that was all that was needed? We don't clean up and come to Jesus. We come to Jesus and he cleans up. John 9 31 says, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Well, that's not very motivating. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But. He's ready to hear those who worship him. 
and do His will. Fat Tuesday is coming. 40 days of Lent. 40 days of fasting. I grew up Protestant, Southern Baptist, so I really don't understand all the ins and outs of all of that stuff. I'm not for or against some of anything that you'd lead to that leads you, makes you more holy, makes you more sanctified, or makes you more like Jesus. If you need that to do it, then by all means do it. But don't go sin and act like an idiot and expect to be able to confess the next day and everything be okay because the trump of the Lord may sound Tuesday night and you may get stuck. Or the consequence of all those decisions, and there's always consequence that follows decisions, the consequence of all those decisions may follow you into Wednesday and affect everybody around you. Instead, let's practice skinny Sunday. It just went. Prepare to be the light in the darkness on Tuesday. Don't go out there and act like everybody else. Drinking, partying, and playing it up. Instead, pray and prepare to go out there and look for an opportunity to be the light in the darkness. Don't stand on the sidewalk and hope somebody else does it for us. Get out in the street. Be in it, but not of it. Look different. Act different. Think different. Be different. I'm for good, clean fun. And if you can go out there and have good, clean fun Monday, Tuesday, whenever day, then go out there. But there's a place that you can't go and you stay holy, then don't go. And that's how you know the difference. Pastor, I thought we were in a series on prayer. We are in a series on prayer. And it is the will of God that you would pray without ceasing, that you would never stop praying. But I want your prayers to get beyond the ceiling of your living room. I want your prayers to be vibrant. I want you to be confident in when you come before the Lord. But sin will hinder your prayer life. It will hinder your faith. And ultimately, it will hinder God's will in your life and everybody underneath your influence. So we ain't taking a prayer break on Fat Tuesday. Or any other day. Because God puts prayer and holiness in the same category. Let me say that again. God puts prayer and holiness in the same category. Remember, it is the will of God. Give thanks in all things. Never stop praying. Rejoice always. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What else is the will of God? Same category. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. We urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. Guys, listen, I, I promise. I forgot it was Mardi Gras when I was writing this sermon. I forgot that Fat Tuesday was coming. I didn't write Skinny Sunday until this morning in my office. This is a prophetic warning for, for somebody or for a lot of us. That we need to heed this thing and remember what we've been taught and strive to live in Christ and therefore in a way that pleases God. Verse 3 for God's will is for you to never stop praying, rejoice always, see Jesus, believe in Him, and for you to be holy. Because holiness and prayer are in the same category. And to stay away from all sexual sin. Why did He start with that one? Because He understood that our envy and our lust and our passions were the first thing that needed to be dealt with before God would be able to deal with anything else. Verse 4, then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Lack of holiness will lead to a surplus of hindrance. A lack of holiness will lead to a surplus 
of hindrance. But holiness diminishes hindrance. Remember, I'm not talking about you being good. I'm talking about you being in Christ. I'm not talking about you cleaning up. I'm talking about you coming to Jesus. Not just that one time that you point to for a lifetime. But every day and all the time that you would work out your salvation daily in fear and in trembling and that you would have a reverency before God to be sanctified and holy, not just yesterday, not just today, but for every day that is to come. I got to read a lot of scripture really quick. Do we have time? Yes, we do. I have the microphone. First Peter verse one. So prepare. Look, there it is again. Prepare. Prepare your minds for actions and and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Verse 15, but now you must be holy in everything that you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. You don't clean up and come to Jesus. You don't get holy and then come to God. You come to Him and He makes you holy as as He is holy. Remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. Thanks God. Because if He did, He'd choose her over me every time. That was funnier in first service and make a note of that. He'll judge or reward you. Stop comparing yourself to other people. I don't know who I'm talking to. Oh, everything's going so good for them. Oh, God must love them. No, he doesn't. He has no favorites in accordance with his word. He'll judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere silver or gold which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, the spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, He's revealed for your sake. Our holiness is found in Him. Our holiness is found in Him. Our prayer is found in Him. It ain't to nobody else or anybody that's ever become before us except for Jesus. Our holiness is found in Him. And when we come to Jesus, He cleans us up. Peter was a fisherman, but Jesus made him a fisher of men. Matthew was a tax collector, and Jesus made him the author of the gospel. Mary Magdalene was a harlot that became one of the examples of what Jesus can clean up. Zacchaeus was the thief that restored fourfold everything that he had ever stolen because he came to Jesus. Paul the murderer became Paul the missionary and David the adulterer became David the dreamer that handed the next generation something worth hanging on to. Rahab the prostitute became Rahab the protector and Jonah the disobedient deserter led an entire nation to repentance. These people were not perfect, but they never stopped praying. 
I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But the will of God for you is that you would never settle and that you would never stop having conversations with Him as often as necessary to become like Him. He wants you the most in the midst of your mess. Jesus, right where we are today, I pray that you would help us to hear from you and be obedient as you lead us. If you're in the room today and this message is just messing you up, if, if you're carrying something that's heavier than you want to carry, and you know that you need to come to Jesus, whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'm telling you, God led me in a direction I didn't want to go so He could speak to you today. And if you're in the room and you need to receive Christ, if you need to come to Jesus over anything, and you would say, Pastor, this was for me, and today I want to give it to Jesus because I don't want to carry it any longer. Would you just lift your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. I need to receive Christ. I need to come to Jesus. Anybody else? I don't want to leave you out. I see you, brother. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Church, let me ask you a question. If you've been standing on the sidewalk too long, if you've been complaining more than you've been contributing, if you know and understand that you're anointed by the Holy Spirit to make more of a difference in the atmosphere that you've been placed in than the atmosphere makes on you, if you know you need to step up today and admit there's more in me than what I've been doing, would you just admit today with me, say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make that right in this prayer in just a minute. If I'm talking to you, if that's you, thank you, thank you. I need to get off the sidewalk. I need to get off the sidelines. I need to get in the street. I need to get in the game. I need to make a difference. I need to contribute. I need to not complain. Come on, just be honest. Why do I have to lift my hand? Because it's an act of obedience for you to break your own pride, to break your own comfort. Thank you, thank you. I need to be in the world and not of the world. Come on, church, would you pray this prayer? Whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't, we just believe more in God's sovereignty than my ability to speak this morning. Right where you are, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, forgive me of my sin. All the places that I fall short, take them and save me. Take my life, make it yours. Use me to build your kingdom. Put in my heart the desire to follow you with everything I have every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, could you stand and celebrate with the angels this morning, all of those who prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time? We're not talking about revival. We're living in revival. We're not watching people, do other people do the work that God's called us to do. We're looking for opportunities to make the most of it ourselves. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, okay, if you need to be water baptized, 
Or you need to write down a prayer request that you would like for our staff and some of our prayer team to agree with you over. We want to give you just a few more minutes right now to take one of those connect cards and let us know the decision that you made today or the prayer request that you would like for us to agree with you on. You can turn that in at the welcome desk on the way out. If you're our guest today or or, or first time in a long time today, please fill that card out and hand it in on the way out so that we can give you a gift. For everybody else, we'd like to end our service this way. We want to invite you to end it this way with us. Just open up your hands like I'm handing you a present. If you're comfortable with it, if you're not, just stand beside somebody that is. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for this day. I pray that you would bless us and keep us and make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance and give us your peace, but don't let us stay there and be settled as leaving well enough alone. I pray that you would empower us to be a witness for you, an example for you, to win the lost, to reach the hurting, to minister to those that you put in our path. Equip us and anoint us to follow you with all of our heart and to be everything that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. God bless you. Meet somebody.